Welcome to the Liberty Moms podcast. Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their communities, their families, and their children. The Liberty Mom podcast is excited to be part of the Loving Liberty Network. You can find our podcasts here each and every week, and we're excited to be part of that amazing lineup of podcast hosts who are really doing a great job in getting out the uh, alternative information that's out there in the world versus what you hear and read in the mainstream media. So thank you for being a loyal listener to the Loving Liberty Network and most importantly to the Liberty Moms podcast. My name is Chris Kimball and I am having a discussion today with a friend of mine, Sherry Som, is joining me today and I'm getting some input from Sherry because she is a former educator here in the state of Utah. And we're going to have a discussion about the idea that's floating around. It, it's actually going to be voted on this next legislative session coming up here in 2023. But the idea is whether or not Utah should change its state flag. And it ties into the 125 commemorative year of our statehood, but uh, there's been a few people from what I can tell, um, I don't know if it's a huge groundswell, but a few individuals who have not been pleased with the state flag design that we have. So we're going to talk about that today. So Sherry, thank you for joining me. So Sherry, you were an educator in the uh, the primary grades of Salt Lake City School District. Salt Lake City District. And what grade do they first start learning about the state flag? Uh, my job was to, I was a gifted ed instructor, but I was also a problem solving and thinking skill instructor. So teachers would invite me into their classroom as well as my own rooms to talk about different issues. And so teachers would um, introduce the state flag to young children, but particularly fourth grade, because that's where children learn about Utah history. Okay, so fourth grade is when children are introduced, and I do remember learning about Utah history and learning about the state flag. And at that age, um, <clears throat> you know, you're it's it's a new concept that you're learning. But what what we're hearing, the critical comments that we hear right now with the flag is that it's too complicated. It's too hard for the kids to perhaps draw, to understand. What would you what would you say about those comments? I think it's a silly comment because complexity is actually more interesting than having just a simple graphic design. The flags at the other states, there's there's a sort of trend going on now to use flags that are basically color blocked. And what that means is they might choose one or two colors that um, symbolize something in their state and then choose a single object to represent an 
object in their state. Well, if a child looked at that, it would mean nothing to them. The colors would mean nothing, and the single object might or might not bring anything to, to remembrance. But they are, uh, I think, fairly boring. If you look at the state flags, there are many that have shifted to that. But the complexity of our state flag makes it interesting, historic, and really pretty special. So I like the idea that you've mentioned that you're starting to see a shift, and I've noticed that as well. And so there's, there has been an effort uh, on a national basis to shift away from the original state flags from when the states were first created and try to modernize them, make them more up to date, because you know what? We're so dang smart. We are much <laughs> smarter and much more ahead of the curve than our founders, founders of our state who went through all of the work and effort and blood and sweat to initially get our states established, right? Whether it's Utah, whether it's Virginia, whether it's Texas, they all have their history. And I feel like, as, as Sherry mentioned, you risk losing a huge amount of history when you try to make your flag look like a logo. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, I think that would be the problem solver in this whole scenario is go ahead and keep the state flag and create a state logo. Because mm -hmm. I feel like that's really what they're wanting to do is merchandise something. They feel like something needs to be sold that represents the whole entire state and they don't want it to be the University of Utah. They don't want it to be BYU or Utah State. And when I talk about this, I am referencing the committee hearing that was held last year in regards to this bill SB 48 that created a task force that was assigned to get a new design for the legislature to consider. Okay, so um, a logo, I think, could very well solve this whole problem. That could solve it. It could because um, a logo, I think they're thinking from a distance, you can't see the intricacies of our flag, but you could see the color. Well, then what would it mean anyway from a distance? <clears throat> and that maybe the sports teams change their logo here and there so that people have to rebuy uh, merchandise. But the uh, the state our state flag tells the history of our state the images on it the dates on it the fact that we have the eagle on our state flag at the time the government wasn't sure that Utah wanted to be part of the nation so it shows that we pledge allegiance to America by having the eagle as well as our symbology that we have that are is specific to our state so using that to teach children you can teach the history of utah using the state flag and they are fascinated by it we have early utahns who were living in this area before the pioneers came out brigham young and and the rest of the the saints that came out west from illinois but we had other people that were living here already, the indigenous mm -hmm. people, um, the American Indian, that, um, that that might not be a, com uh, a correct word to say, but the American Indians that were here. And we have several tribes that were indigenous to Utah, but um, they were already here. And that is represented in the flag, right? Um, well, it would be under the country of America and the eagle. Um, also, probably the hive. 
and the arrows, <clears throat> the, the arrows represent <clears throat> the the different tribes that were living in Utah. Yeah, so the eagle is holding arrows in its claws, and that represents the indigenous tribes. Not only do we have the symbol of America, the indigenous tribes, we have um, the word industry, which was a word that's really important to Utah in the past and present, and the dates of the time that the first people, um, colonizers, came to Utah, as well as when Utah was made a state. So it pretty much covers everyone who lives here and did right. live here. And and of course, it does have the beehive, which is a huge symbol for the uh, LDS culture industry, as you mentioned. But the, the symbol of the beehive is there. And so, again, it is very um, reflective of our history and the symbolism that's attached to that. And um, there's an, again, we have to give ourselves a little bit more credit in thinking that our children don't understand when they're studying this flag, that they are capable of understanding this because I've come to realize, especially now that I have my children outside of public school, that they actually learn a whole lot more when they're in a, different environment that actually uh, allows for them to be deep thinkers. And there's nothing wrong with looking at at an image or a flag and learning the concepts that are behind each of the symbols that are on that flag. It instills higher learning. And that's something we should want at every age in the in our education spectrum. So my question, though, is we have this task force and We've been, this bill has been brought forward before this last year. Uh, Representative Handy has brought it forward at different times. So my question is, is this what we need to be spending our tax dollars on? Are we trying to just find a problem to fix? Like, is there a problem with our flag? I don't see a problem with our flag. I see other issues in our state that are much, much much more pressing than trying to create a new logo that looks good on a baseball cap or on a t-shirt. That's my personal opinion. It's a waste of taxpayer, my taxpayer money, and everyone else that's listening, unless, of course, you agree that maybe we do want a new logo for the state of Utah, something that looks cute on a hat or on a t-shirt. But, um, if you're opposed to this, if you're thinking, what on earth are we doing? Wasting our time. There's time involved. I mean, I was listening to the, uh, Sherry and I actually went to the committee hearing because we testified against the task force and, and the idea of coming up with a new flag right out the get-go because we were opposed to wasting our taxpayer dollars on this. And uh, there was a good 40, 45-minute discussion on it where another bill that might be more of value to the state of Utah could not be heard because we had to discuss the idea of a new design for a flag. And it's not the first committee hearing it was in. It's come at, uh, it's been brought forward in other years. But my bottom, I just feel like there's a better way for us to be using our state resources than creating or recreating a flag that we already have. So here's where we are. We have the 2023 session coming up. 
And I don't have the actual bill number that this flag will be voted on, but the legislature is going to approve a new design. Okay, and a task force was created the last session. They came up with a new design for the flag, and that is going to be voted on this next session. And the compromise I think they came up with was, well, we don't really, it's not either or, we don't just get rid of the old flag and not ever have that, but it becomes more of a historic flag and is maybe flown at the governor's mansion or um, at state functions, that sort of thing. But the new logo, the new flashy, you know, uh, trendy couple of colors, block colors and logo, that would become the new official state flag. Now, if you're opposed to this, if you don't want this to happen, if you feel like uh, we don't need a new state flag, we have a state flag, and that our representatives really should be working on the people's business that's more relevant than a new flag design, this is where you would want to contact your legislators because both the House and the Senate will vote on whether or not to approve this new flag. And so if you are at a point where you're feeling like, I do not want a new flag, our old flag is just wonderful, then you will want to contact your legislators and let them know. I think it's important too, when we think about the education of children, right now there's kind of a trend where you aren't telling a lot about your state history and Utah history is kind of, isn't a really important or seen as an important part of training. But if you gave the child who had been taught a picture of this flag, they could go and tell their family what happened in Utah. So even if they hadn't studied a lot, of the history through books they could take the flag image and say let me tell you about utah and they could explain some of our history i think that's an important thing to hold on to and if we hold on to the flag even if they do change the school system we will still have that education component right it's important we have to work at keeping our history intact and if anyone who is remotely aware of what's happened in our current environment of 2022, you've witnessed firsthand how history has tried to be erased, how we've tried to erase individuals who were playing a part in the history of our country. Okay, whether it was good history or bad history, meaning what they did as individuals or what side of an of a war they were on we learn from both sides we learn from the civil war we learn about the confederate side and we learn about the union side and we know that the union obviously won the civil war but there's things that we learn and it's still pieces of america that have now been erased um even most recently, um, Dr. Ben Carson, who is uh, has nothing to do with war or anything, but he is a well-renowned neurosurgeon who has um, performed life-saving surgeries to help um, separate twins that are conjoined at the head and other neurological surgeries. His name was removed from a school, an elementary school, just because um, 
the administration or those that are on the board don't agree with personal politics of that individual. That is sad. And that is what, that's the environment that we are living in. And so you're seeing prominent historical figures from our past be eliminated from history. And I, for one, am one of those individuals, when I go traveling, I'm, I love history. I love learning. And so when I go, I don't care if it's South Carolina, I don't care if it's Mississippi, I don't care if it's Iowa, I don't care what part of the country I am, I'm in. If I see a monument, I'm going to go read about that monument. I'm going to go look at it. I'm going to go read about that individual or about that period of time that they're talking about so that I can understand the bigger picture of our history as in, incomplete, okay? And if we start eliminating and getting rid of people that have that we feel offend us, okay, because we, we get to choose to be offended or not, but we are losing part of our history. And that is what we want to make sure doesn't happen with this new idea of a new flag design that's updated, that's trendy, that's that's just looks so good on a hat. I mean, think of all the hats we could sell if we just had a really cool state flag. Okay, it's not the purpose of a flag. I'm sorry. And so, um, again, this is our opportunity because it's not done. I know we had a lot of people that were thinking, well, they've already designed a new flag. It's over with. It's not over because the legislative body as a whole has to approve of the new design, of course. And right now, I know a few individuals that have reached out to the sponsor of the bill, um, Senator Dan McKay, who sponsored the SB 48, which was creating the task force, wanting to know what is the expense? What is this going to cost us? And we've yes. not been able to see any expense attached to this, or they've not had a response to that question. And so again, we need to be we need to be wise stewards of our resources and of our time, the people's time. When our elected officials are representing us, we need to make sure that they're working on issues that are really relevant in making life better for Utahns and protecting our <clears throat> unalienable rights that are given to us by God. That's the number one thing that they need to be working on is protecting our rights. And, and really this extra, uh, this extracurricular activities of, of creating new flags when we already have a flag really needs to be looked at. And, and uh, we really need to make sure that our time is better spent in the legislative body. So again, I would ask you to reach out and depending on where you are on this, I'm not trying to tell you how to think on this by any means. We're giving our opinion. I love having an educator here with me, Sherry, because she is was in the classroom. She was teaching and um, teaching these concepts to children in our state. And so um, she's explained how important it is that we keep the symbolism of history so that our children as an as an again they grow up to be grown-ups understand the importance of our of our flag so i want to bring up one thing with you sherry when we were in that committee hearing they talked about like there's a booklet that has like certain 
standards for a flag. Mm-hmm. And they they seem to feel like those criteria, that five pieces of criteria must be met. Otherwise, you have a bad flag. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the case? Isn't those are aren't those just guidelines? But <clears throat> well, sure, a booklet would be guidelines for anything. If their idea was simplicity, um, this isn't the first flag. They they've um, changed little things with it to make it better. And the people that were in committee to actually come up with this one, which has been around for a while, took a lot of time to make sure that their images were, um, they're very well designed. It's a great composition as far as I'm concerned. And um, so it does tell a lot with uh, simple images that anyone could understand. So I don't think that you have to go, if these fellows were just going by a booklet, that's not a very good study or reason why to make a decision like changing a state flag. Right. And and if you felt like you needed some help or you're starting from scratch, but as we were saying before, we we are looking at historical context when we look at our state flags. And we're not necessarily trying to find a new logo per se, but trying to restore and not to restore, but to keep and retain our historical um, relevance through our state flag. What a great way for us to um, remember our state history just by looking at a at a flag and the symbolism that's in the flag. So I always think that this is a great time of year to reach out to your elected officials. So right now, some of you have brand new representation. For example, Sherry and I, we have a brand new state senator that's going to be representing us in the Senate. And I think it's a great time of year, um, whether you've already gotten your Christmas cards out, but just to send them a note before the session begins. So the first of the year, just send your representative a note and reach out to them and and uh, wish them the best and that you are their constituent and that you are looking forward to their representing you up at the house and that you wish them well and and just get things started on the right foot for this next session and if you don't know if you don't know who your representative is then you simply visit le.utah.gov le.utah.gov and that is where you put in your street address and they will that website will populate who your representatives are. So we are, we're getting ready to take a, a short break. We've got more that we're going to be discussing here about the upcoming session, but stay with us. We're with the Liberty Moms podcast, Chris Kimball with Sherry Som, and we're going to be right back after this short break.
This is Chris Kimball hosting the Liberty Moms podcast. I've been talking with Sherry Somm, who was a former educator in the Salt Lake City School District. And we spent the first part of this show talking about uh, the state flag that is looking to be replaced. And so if you have any concerns about that and love our current flag and, and the history that's attached to it, we talked about how important it is to reach out to your representatives. And um, your representatives can be found by visiting le.utah.gov. Okay, and you put in your street address, you scroll down to the bottom of the, of the page and it'll ask for your address. And then it will populate who, who your house member is and who your senator is. And then I recommend that you put that information in your phone so that during the legislative session, if you need to reach out to your representative and let them know how you feel about a certain issue, then it's at your fingertips. You don't have to Google, get online, le.utah.gov, you know, try to find the Rossiter for the house. You're going to have it right there at your fingertips. Okay, now to find the rest of the House members, you would do that. And if you're really, really <laughs> want to be an and what's what's the word I want to call you? Because you'd be like me um, and a citizen extraordinaire. Uh, yeah, you would put all the House members in your phone, at least the Republicans or who you would feel like would vote, um, you know, uh, most, uh, what's the word I want to use? Most aligned with your principles. I don't know who, what your principles are, but for me, I have all the Republicans at my fingertips in my phone because that way I don't have to stop and look things up. I can easily send them an email or a text message about certain issues. So um, to be a citizen advocate, as Sherry just mentioned, it's really having that information right at your fingertips. So just taking a few minutes, at least do your House member and your Senate. And then right now, at the first of the year, it's an excellent time to send them a little note and wish them well for the up and coming session. And that let them know that you're going to be engaged and you look forward to interacting with them during the up and coming session so that they know that you are one of their constituents and that you're engaged, you're involved in the process. Okay, and uh, that can go a long, long ways in, in establishing some goodwill between your representative. And some of you may already know your representative and have already established relationships. That's fantastic. But uh, we just got through an election cycle, 2022 in, in November. And so many of us have brand new representatives. And it's a great time for us to reach out and do that. Now, Sherry, you've been... Um, I've seen you, gosh, it was decades ago when you were still working as a, as an educator, as a teacher, and you were up testifying at bills during the session. Mm -hmm. You were. What were some of the bills mm -hmm. that you would testify with? Was it be on behalf of your class or was it on particular issues that involved teachers? No, these I, I did a lot of um, community problem solving work. And so it was issues that would be important to children and their families. Mostly. Okay. 
So it is good for our children to get involved in the process. And I've been trying to, I haven't done a very good job of this because I have grandkids now that are uh, 10, 9, and 7, two seven-year-olds. And they're at an age where they could uh, be involved in the process, where they could actually learn about the issue that's being brought forward with the bill and be part of the process, whether could be state flag, mm-hmm. you know, um, they, they love to have children involved and there's nothing better than to have a, to teach children that their voice matters because mostly kids think, Oh, there's nothing that I could do. And they don't even consider it. So a high point in my teaching career was helping children realize that they will be listened to and they will while they're young and they will when they're an adult. And if they practice that when they're young, then um, they get the confidence that people will listen to them in a republic and a democracy. You know, I'm my brain is kind of spinning because, as Sherry was speaking because I'm thinking about these young kids that have just learned about the state flag. And it'd be great to hear from some of them who just learned about the flag that, hey, we're just we're going to get rid of that flag. It's not going to be our official flag anymore. And uh, it would be interesting to hear what some of those mm-hmm. students would oh, have to say about it. They would. And they uh, it's it's really fun to work with children in that way. You help them prepare a little speech. You practice it and go down. And then the the, uh, the legislature is uh, mesmerized about having a child participate. So if any of you wanted to take the state flag. I was just talking about the images with Chris. We've got the eagle representing America, the two United States flags there. We've got the shield with the um, Native American arrows. We've got the beehive and the seca lily. And then we've got the word industry, the word Utah, the dates of the um, settlement and the dates of where the state was made a state. why not have all children and adults be able to remember that in a single image? Right, because even uh, days of 47, where, where we commemorate our Utah territory being established, the, the community of Utah, Deseret, uh, in 1847, a lot of times people, you know, people, well, and you have people moving in from out of state to they won't even know what 1847 is. <laughs> they don't know why we celebrate a holiday then. Yeah. And so our children are learning that in, in fourth grade. It, unfortunately, I, I don't think it's repeated again. Um, that was one thing in the Northwest um, ordinances. The founding fathers knew that government education, meaning that our civics on how our government works, was to be taught all the time, like year in and year out, because we have a very unique form of government that is representative. We're a republic, and all the states are designed to enter into the United States as a republic. It's guaranteed in the Constitution itself that they will be a republic, and that is a representative form of government, and that's what we talked about earlier is you have a House member and you have a senator, and each of those individuals are going to vote for you in this next session of legislation of, of the legislature that is coming up. There's a six week period where there's close to 1,200 bills, unfortunately, that many bills that will be pushed through that session. 
And uh, they're going to be voting on at least a good half of those. And you want to make sure that they're voting correctly in a way that does not hurt your individual rights. Okay, we have rights that are given to us by God that are innate to us because we're children of God. And the sole purpose of our government is to protect those rights and to make sure that they're secure and not infringed upon. And we have um, a lot of legislators who uh, either are ignorant to what their duty is because they've never really studied government themselves. But we would be far served if we took more time to teach how a Republican form of government works and, and teach that in a way that our children are learning that so that when they graduate and they're ready to get into the voting process, they already understand how government works. You know, as just thinking about this as an educator, you might want to pull up this flag online and if you've got a young child, bring them in, fourth is six or up, and say, what does this mean to you? And you can see if it's been taught to them in their fourth grade class. If not, you could teach it to them so you could share that history with the children. And as a teacher, if a parent called me and said, you know, there's something I'd really like to come and tell your kids about history, I would say, cool. And um, you might even have, if your kids don't know it, an elementary school teacher, particularly a fourth grade one that has his or her mind full of what she needs to do, might appreciate a little lesson that you could share with them as well. That's a great point. So we can always, I mean, parents, good grief, we are, we are and can be some of the best educators because we can educate spontaneously when questions occur there's nothing more exciting is having a child ask a question so that you can be there to give an answer and and it's a it's an education moment and so parents have to realize that they've got they're endowed by their creator with a mantle to be in charge of their children's education. And we even protect that in our state constitution. The parents are the number one providers of education for their children. And <clears throat> whatever school platform they decide to use, whether it's the, the public government schools, they're just a support system to what the parents want their children to be educated with. So this um, this up and coming session, this this could be your chance to step up and be a real um, citizen activist yourself and making sure that um, we've got <clears throat> bills that we know that are going to protect our children. I know one in particular that I want to talk about is the uh, the transgender issue that we've been dealing with, um, not only here in Utah, but nationwide. And unfortunately, in Utah, our legislators and governor have failed to protect our children in Utah from this mutilation surgery and this uh, the harms of delaying puberty in order to promote this uh, trend of trans transition um, therapy that's going on. And so we have individuals now, this has been going on for some time, okay? And we have individuals, one in particular, Chloe oh, crew. I'm trying 
trying to think of her last name. She's just actually filed a lawsuit against Kaiser Medical. But these individuals, these these girls, they were mutilated and, and they're stepping up finally and saying, you lied to me. You lied and, and they just pushed them into this system of taking hormone therapy and then suggesting that they cut off healthy breasts to become a boy when it's impossible for a female to become a male. Okay. It's, it's right in the DNA. It doesn't change just because you cut off an appendage. Okay. And so some of these women are now coming forward because Sherry, it's so heartbreaking. They were told a lie and they were fast tracked. Oh, this is how you will solve all your problems, Sherry. Mm-hmm. You think you're a boy, you are a boy. We're going to support you in that. We're going to support you 100%. All you have to do is stop taking, um, we'll s- slow down your puberty. We'll start giving you testosterone. And we're going to we're gonna physically change you into a boy. I've been listening to a few girls who have gone through that. <clears throat> and they, uh, the one particularly that I listened to said, that the reason why was the transgender community embraced her when she was lonely and felt out of it. And so she didn't feel like she had any friends and who didn't go through that at their one time or another as they're growing up and changing. But the transgender community embraced her, said, oh, you're one of us, you're special. And so that she was eased into it by friendshiping and then being sent to the doctor who said, this will be so easy for us to be able to change. And she wants her life back. She still wants to be a woman. And now she's in a situation where she can't. Well, she can never replace the breast that she surgically removed. And to think about all this is, is just we're, we're asking our state legislators to just make it so that children have to be older to make this life-altering decision and we're starting to see that these 14 year olds these 15 year olds these 16 year olds they're not emotionally equipped to make that kind of decision and again they are told oh gosh if you do this you won't want to commit suicide this will take away any of the urgings for you to kill yourself that's what they're told this will solve all of your problems that you're dealing with And lo and behold, they have the surgery and they mutilate their body and they're just as unhappy, if not worse now, because now they know they've ruined their physical bodies and they want to reverse and go back. And so Chloe has filed this lawsuit and I am hoping that they, this is successful and that every one of these detransitioners who was lied to and who was pushed through the system through the medical and through the therapists that promote this and don't get to the core issue of what's causing it. And that's the thing, Sherry, there is a core issue. Now, some of it can be the social media contagion mm-hmm. that that these young girls are very vulnerable to. That's part of it. And it's a big part of it. But also, too, is we have individuals that are dealing with some sort of childhood trauma or they have... Um, uh, they may be part of the um, spectrum mm-hmm. of uh, we're autism just my, yeah or... of autism. Yes, and so there's a lot of things that can cause these 
this desire or what we would call transgender dysphoria. And it's getting to the bottom of that is what we need to do and not do this surgery slash drug intervention, which only makes people rich. It's horrific, the people that are getting rich off of mutilating our children. And so we need to put a stop to that. Utah needs to step up to the plate, our legislature, our governor. And so this is one of the big bills that will come forward in this next session. And we need to be putting pressure on our elected officials this is the time to do it. You can reach out. You can tell them how you feel about the state flag. But you can also say, we want our children protected. No more mutilation. No more drug therapy until our children reach puberty and reach the legal age of 18 to make that decision for themselves. Okay? And this is the time to do it before they have a boatload of bills you know, coming through on their desk and in their committees that they have to make decisions on. But if they start hearing from their constituents that said, we want our young children protected from these trans transition surgeries, we need to be doing that now. I mean, Utah is way, way behind on protecting our children. It's heartbreaking that a, a state that esteems children so highly would do the least to protect our children and protect them from these predators that are coming after them and trying to, with dollar signs in their eyes. These doctors and, and therapists, it's horrible. The the children shouldn't see that as an option. And if uh, it's intimated in school or taught in school that there's options other than you just will grow out of some of your image problems and there are opportunities for friendship all over but if the if the if the idea is put into their mind oh i could make a change in this and that might solve our prop my problem that is uh that shouldn't be an option at a young age in a school system it's not sherry do we allow children can children go out and get tattoos no can they go out and buy alcohol no can they buy cigarettes <laughs> Oh, no. Okay. There are things that we have in place. We have put safety gate, safety guardrails, guardrails. in place uh -huh. to protect our children. And yet we are telling our children, yeah, you know what? You can go ahead and start taking puberty blockers and hormone therapy to try to change your gender, which is impossible to do. Okay. And gender, according to the NIH, the National Institute of Health, is happening at a cellular DNA level. Has nothing to do with the actual appendages themselves. That's just the byproduct of you being a female or a byproduct of being male <clears throat> to, have, um, to have a penis. And so we have to get back to common sense and not let this... Um, I call it predatory. It's mm -hmm. so predatory to to prey on children who are vulnerable, who are dealing with emotional issues, who are dealing with some sort of trauma, whether it's physical, sexual, emotional, whatever. They are vulnerable. And instead of addressing why they feel this way, why they want to change, giving them the tools they can heal so that they can turn around and have a normal productive life. I mean, Chloe's so upset that she's not ever going to be able to breastfeed a baby. Okay. 
And she says, I remember at 15, they, they said, hey, one of the consequences is you can't have a baby. And she says, you know what? I was 15 and not understanding as a kid, a 15-year-old, how important that is going to be for me later on. And she said, I was totally misled on everything they talked to me about my surgery. I was never given the truth. And so it's time to shine the light on this. And so that's one of the bills that I know we have coming up that we want to make sure that um, we as the parents and the people in the state of Utah, that parental rights are honored and that children are protected. Okay, children who aren't able to make these life-changing, life-altering surgeries or therapies are protected from these individuals who prey on them. Whether it's the the physical doctor, the surgeon who create who does the surgery, whether it's Planned Parenthood who's providing the hormone therapy or the therapist, they we need to protect our children. And a lot of times, the parents don't have enough information themselves and so that's why this is the 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 time and place now that we have these detransitioners that are got the courage to step forward they are telling the world about their nightmare that they're living in now because we didn't get to the bottom of their issue we didn't get to the bottom root cause of their transgender dysphoria we just treated a symptom and promoted this unhealthy idea that you can change genders. It's not normal. It's not healthy. So, okay, we are we're we're wrapping up here. And Sherry, I appreciate you being on because again, we've had um, lots of different discussions from different angles. But I love the idea that as an educator, as somebody who is in the classroom in this um, age group that was learning the symbolism, how important this is in instilling our history. So thank you for joining me today. Thanks for inviting me. It's important to me, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to share the ideas. Yes, and again, we want to make sure that now is the great, this is the calm before the storm, okay? Believe it or not, the first couple of weeks in January is when they're the legislators they're busy it's not that they're not doing anything by any means but they're not having the um the amount of contact from lobbyists from parents from they're probably not getting a lot of contact from ordinary citizens because most of us really go on autopilot we we just kind of let the legislature do their thing and this is why we wanted to bring this flag um, the Utah flag issue to your attention because the the vote is going to take place this session that they will change the state flag. And so we want to make sure that if you are opposed to that, then you want to contact your House member and your Senate member and tell them to vote against changing the Utah flag. You like the flag that we have or voice whatever opinion you have about the flag. And again, the website that you'll want to visit is le.utah.gov. But Liberty Moms and Liberty Dads are proactive in making sure that their state, their families, and their children are um, protected. And if there's things that we stand for, this is the time to stand up for it. 
We need to make sure that we stand up and defend the things that we want to keep in place. So thank you for spending your time with me today. Thank you, Sherry. And um, we look forward to 2023 and all the new that's going to be um, happening with the up and coming new year.